powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal, where the tank lives on. Six straight losses for the Montreal Canadiens. And hey, you got to admit, is there a better tanking strategy, Mark Dumas, than pulling your goalie while you don't have possession of the puck? I love it. I absolutely love it. As as tanktics go, that was a really good tanktics uh, move. And also having the fourth line on against some of the best players in the NHL. Mwah, mwah, perfection. Although, you know what? If they were going to try that with any fourth line that the Canadians have iced this season, it'd probably be this fourth line. I mean, I actually yeah. thought Anthony Richard, I didn't notice him too much last game. This game, I noticed him. I thought he's, he was really strong. He's so fast. He's the fastest he's so kid on fast. earth. He's just Seriously. so fast. I think he might be the fastest guy in the organization and it's not necessarily well there's paul byron still exists but it's not necessarily just because he's he's got great technique he's just always at 100 percent. yeah yeah he was he was good tonight and you know we've talked at length about belzil every show because he's been fantastic um but you know new jersey's a very very good team oh, a lot of depth on that team just hard for the canadians to match up but again i thought overall tonight i know the shot count was tilted i don't think that the devils got the high quality chances that they have in the previous couple games between these two teams. I feel like the Canadians played them pretty tight and the devils outside of like the actual goals that they did score. It seemed like they were kind of complacent to play around the perimeter a little bit tonight. And the Canadians took advantage of that kind of in not letting them run up the score. Right. You know? But, but yeah, do you, do you agree with this? Cause natural statric has the Canadians. I know that the, the high danger chances were close, um, but they have the Canadians leading 14-11. Whoa, really? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I do. I I could see it because I feel like the Canadians got <laughs> some really good chances tonight. They just like, obviously, I think, uh, I don't even know the name of the guy who was in net for Schmidt. the Devils. It seems Schmidt. Yeah. Every game they have a different Schmitty. goaltender. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought he was pretty good. And uh, the Canadians obviously lack a certain amount of finish uh, throughout their lineup. So but, that doesn't help them. But yeah, I think. They probably had the slight edge in quality tonight, not accounting for pre-shot movement. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. There weren't a lot of second chance opportunities, but I look at the Devils as a team that you want to emulate, right? And not that like, yeah, they got the two first rounders or first overall, but just the way that they kind of took a patient approach and now they're gassing it. Now they're giving it a lot of gas. Big fan of that approach. So like in terms of, of, of overall development, the Habs would be lucky to emulate the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I totally agree. And I said that the first time these two teams played, and I said uh, at the at that time, obviously Jack Hughes was not on the run that he was he's on right now. I said uh, being able to emulate this team that doesn't have like a league a franchise level superstar, right? Because Jack Hughes, in my opinion, was he's good, but he was not at that level at that time. Yeah. And Devils fans got really upset at me. Obviously, I'll take that back now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <You're> <laughs> he eat, clearly eat, is that guy. Eat, eat that crow. Okay, so before we get into it, as per usual, shout out to everyone in the chat. I see all our regular favorites, and all our favorites are our regulars. So, but as per usual, special shout out to Claire, because Claire is here. Absolutely, of course. Uh, special shout out to everyone, frankly, for joining us on a Saturday night. We've got yeah. a really fun show planned for you tonight. Uh, if you watched... The Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, especially the first intermission, it's going to be more fun. But I'll explain that before we get into the the like main chunk of what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about the game, of course. But before we get too deep into it, you want to bet? 
Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond, and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn or in Ontario. Download the app right now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, Mark, uh, obviously, for everyone who's here right now, Make sure you like the stream and share it on your favorite social media of choice and get as many people in here as possible because we're going to have a fun one tonight. Not the best game ever, but I think a better game for the most part than most Habs Devils games in my lifetime. It's a low bar, but uh, there was some entertainment level there. Um, I I, I like one of the comments here in the chat, for example, um, saying it's what Z-S-S-I-K, so... Zizik, just saying like it, it, it's a game of seeing who gives a shit or not at this point for the Habs and we're seeing guys like Josh Anderson I have to admit I, I probably his biggest critic not in the sense that I think he's a bad player but I think that his value around the league is perceived to be much higher than it actually is however he's been an impact player he's been trying his hardest and he's been generating high danger scoring chances like like never before for the Montreal Canadiens I think his sustained level of play for Josh Anderson, this has been his best stretch as a half. Easy. Easy. And I, I was talking about that with uh, Shana Goldman uh, when I had her on the last show. God, she's and so good. She's so good. And she pointed out that uh, Josh Anderson used to play PK on Columbus under John Tortorella. And okay, I really, I think someone in the chat pointed out that Marty St. Louis met with somebody who was like a former player on Columbus or something like that and had told him that Josh Anderson played on the PK. And since then... Josh Anderson has been on the PK and has been quite successful. And, you know, I think we talked early, like good. very early in the year that we thought that he'd added some versatility to his game that might not show through in like some of yep. the, like the public stats. But I think right now, while he's clearly been the guy who I think gives the most shits, not to yep. denigrate anybody else, but he gives the most shits. Uh, <laughs> you can see those little is, things is, that he's is, added to his game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's not just the North-South because let's be honest, he was a, he wasn't an ambi-turner to quote Zoolander. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he, this guy just didn't turn, right? So you're seeing him work off the cycle a little bit more. And that's, I mean, it's basic stuff, but it was something that he almost refused to do. So at one point this year, Martin Saint-Louis pretty much said it in a, in a press conference. He's like, he uses a lot of energy, but I'm not sure if he uses it wisely. And I think recently... We're seeing Josh Anderson use it wisely. And, and for example, the Devils were actually quite interested in Josh Anderson. So I, I, I see him as probably the type of thing they were missing in their lineup, maybe a little bit of grit, but it probably would have cost them too much to acquire him, let's be honest. Yeah, I will say, uh, shout out to Noel, who says that he he misses it every time we read off the chat names. Listen, we can read off the chat names at any point in the show. If you guys really want a shout out, we can give you a shout out, all right? We yeah. appreciate you being shout here. Out. It means a lot to us, all right? So we'll yeah, always we got, we got some out. Devils fans here, too. So yeah. well, welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal, where exactly. we have great bagels. Sorry, <laughs> no, have... offense to, no offense to the, 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 the roll with a hole that they call bagels down there, but uh, <laughs> it's different up here. Better bagels and bad pizza. The Montreal experience. Terrible pizza. Just what's with Montreal and the lack of pizza? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's hard to find a good slice here. I mean, l- listen, there is no bad pizza. Like, bad pizza is still good, pizza but pizza it's not is bad great. Pizza. Yeah, you're right. Pizza pizza is bad pizza. All right, so there is bad pizza. 
But the, I mean, pizza, pizza, pizza is like raw bread with tomato paste on it. Me, it's the sauce. At one, point, <laughs> at one point at Ketchup. 4 a.m. in in university, we were, you know, it was the only thing that was there. And I'm dipping it in this fluorescent orange, like jalapeno sauce. And I just, I, I dropped my slice and I haven't touched pizza pizza in about uh, 20 years now. I can't blame you. I think the last time I had it was uh, I went to Fan Expo in Toronto and like, it had to have been like 2014, maybe 2015. The before times. And yeah. it was like the only thing that they had that didn't have a gigantic lineup. I was there as media. So I was like, well, yeah, I guess I'll just do this. It's the worst. Yeah. As as Evan mentions, it should be like uh, ice cream. You know where they, because <laughs> that would There's be a pizza law? product. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't <laughs> actually call it a pizza. It's like a pizza with an H or something. I actually love that. That's a great idea. All right, right let's get off pizza a little bit. Uh, let's I'm talk hungry. about Dennis Gurionov because he got it one tonight. I thought he would play a really strong game. He actually had a really strong game against the Rangers as well and didn't get much credit for right. it. What are your thoughts on him so far? Because I think it's far from the point where we're seeing what we want to see out of this player. You know, like I think his ceiling yeah. could be pretty darn high in terms of goal score but on he's kind of on and off right now but it seems like his play driving is actually pretty strong and it's not like he's been doing like being given much uh many favors in terms of who he's playing with either because uh like the middle of the lineup is just a mess right with doc out with monahan out with there's no Dvorak one that's good in transition out. you need something yeah. like no one no one's good in, there's suzuki's good in transition that's it that's it. Yeah. So like again, he's on the positive side in relative metrics tonight. Yeah. Uh, that's the key. Good for checking. Go he used his speed efficiently, scored a goal. I'm I liking him so far. My yeah, okay, because you have three options essentially here, right? So you let him walk, that's it, that's all. You qualify him for 2.9 million, or you do the rem pit like where you try to, you know, you let him go, handshake deal, we sign you. But at this point, well, you, I'm just they not- could sign him before. Yeah, right? they okay, don't have yeah. to qualify him. They could sign him for like get off, they could offer him like we could qualify you at two point nine. Yeah, or we could sign you for like three years, two point five each. Exactly. At this point, I'm not sure the Canadians want to invest much many years, but maybe a short yeah, contract. The thing is, like, is he is he like Steve Shut Light or is he Pierre Dejeuner that can skate? That's like that's where I'm. I don't know who Denis Guryanov is, and if you talk to Dallas fans they pretty much predicted what was going to happen. He had that hot start, then he kind of faded away, then back again. So like every other hockey player, it's a consistency issue. I'm just not sure with a healthy lineup, if he's much more than a third line player that can pop in a few goals. And that's not the worst thing in the world. I just, I'm going to temper my expectations for him in terms of what he could do at his full potential. You know, he's still 25 years old, right? Like he's not a baby anymore. So I, I think you want to keep him around. I wouldn't even hesitate, Andrew. The 2.9 qualifying, big deal. You keep him around for one extra year. The Habs can absorb that. Yeah. Um, overall, I just don't think he's going to end up being like a, you know, a 20 goal a year kind of guy. No, no. I, I think like there's a possibility, right? But with all, these kinds of players that Hughes likes acquiring, like this isn't Kirby Doc, right? They didn't trade a first round pick for this guy. They traded... Yeah. Evgeny Dadanov. The ghost right? of Evgeny Dadanov. Yeah. yeah, this is 100% a flyer taken on a player that they think could have a high ceiling, and they yeah. just want to see, like, hey, is there something here? 
And, Absolutely. you know, I got uh, a lot of pushback on the day that they traded, uh, made this trade because I said it was elite uh, asset management turning they basically Shea, we- Shea Weber's dead management. contract into a yeah. 25-year-old player with a bit of potential. People were like, well, you're acting like he's going to be like a first-line player. Like, no, man, they could let him go this summer and it's still great asset management because yeah, the like- process of what they're doing makes sense. And it's a it's a lineup that could afford to give a guy like a healthy audition, which I think they've actually calmed down his minutes a little bit. And that's good because you could tell at the beginning he was winded. You know, you're used to 15 minutes a night in Dallas uh, when going up to 20 besides Suzuki or or Josh Anderson's a little different. But uh, overall, like, I, I think it's been good. Nothing great. Even if he walks away, not the end of the world. But regardless of what happens with Guriano, if that was a fantastic trade, you turned nothing into something. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah, exactly. That's that that is the way every single expiring contract should go. Also, we got to note the the chat's keeping us up to date here. Florida lost, so Good the Habs news. pick is better. And um, the Ducks picked up a point, so now the Ducks I think are four points back, and Arizona is two points back of the Habs. Just saying. and, and yeah, because Arizona lost in overtime to Colorado tonight, so they picked up a point oh, as well. Sorry, I mix up those two because they both start with an A, which is right. all, I, all I need to know. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's looking a little healthier for for the Habs uh, lottery odds moving. And forward, the Capitals won big as well, which pushes them closer to the Panthers. Yeah. They have to watch for um, Philly actually because they're in a free fall right now, and they actually have a pretty easy strength of schedule. But the Habs have the hardest. And uh, Arizona and Anaheim have, have easier schedules, so might might turn into a pretty good season in the long run. It might. All right, let's cut with the uh, the tank talk. We're gonna now tell you about our main event tonight. So if you missed it, <laughs> I'm just gonna retweet uh, our our sh- our link on Twitter here about the show because I want to make sure as many people are in for this as possible. So if you missed it. Tonight on Hockey Night in Canada, and the first intermission between, I mean, I guess Habs Devils too, but let's be honest, they don't give a crap about this game. They only recap the Leafs game on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, there It was Leafs-Oilers, and Ron McLean did a little segment, which I thought at first was a bit, <laughs> but then I realized very quickly he was not kidding. Not he talked about... about <laughs> <laughs> He's just... <laughs> he compared the current modern-day Oilers... Yeah. To the 1980s Oilers, which, you know, hey, fine. You know, they're two good teams. I think the Oilers are legitimately scary this year now that they've got Ekholm on the blue line. And Skinner uh, can actually save some some goals. So that's exactly, yeah. exactly. But the way they chose to do this was 10 similarities between the Oilers' 80s dynasty and <laughs> the current Oilers. And the way that they found these similarities was thin, very <laughs> thin. It's the type of article you'd write if it's, you know, you got to submit something in about five minutes and you do a quick list to toss up on the internet. That's yeah. what you do. But you know, Ron spent months curating this project, <laughs> listening to, to different poetry and moodscapes to get, get himself in the, in the groove. Oh, God. I hope it didn't take that long because uh, what I did for tonight took me about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I think it's better. Anyway. $700,000 less. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I, I won't go through all 10 of the similarities that they pointed out, but some of them included Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky both being from a place about an hour away from Toronto. Yeah. Because you know, you have just, to admit, yeah. that's that's how we actually because I grew up in Ontario, that's how we gauge things in Ontario at all times. So people ask me where do you live? I'm like, uh four hours east of Toronto. That's <laughs> exactly how we do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Evan in the chat says, Similarity 11, both McDavid and Gretzky breathe air. Yeah, and they had, uh, their second line center is from uh, Edmonton or St. Albert, which is Nugent Hopkins and Mark Messier. Disregard <laughs> the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been playing the wing most of the year. <laughs> and they, you know what I think of when I see Ryan Nugent Hopkins is Messier doing all his commercials. Like, that's, it just. Same player. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you don't go into a corner with Ryan Nugent Hopkins without taking an elbow. He'll beat the crap out of you. Oh, yeah. And then he'll go disappoint the Canucks. Yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) uh, identical. Yeah. And they had had, uh, Glenn Anderson compared to Patrick Kane. I think they're like both Ontario-born feisty wingers or something. Uh, Ontario-born defensemen being their number one defenseman. They compared Paul Coffey to Darnell Nurse. Which I'm sure a lot of old timers love that. And- <laughs> oh man! And like Ron McLean saw Paul Coffey in his prime. That's the like craziest part about all this. Yeah, these guys are. They should know better. There should be people that this has to go through before it makes it to air. Did and- did, did Darnell Nurse ever put up more points than Paul Coffey put up goals? Mm, I'm gonna check I- that out while you while you figure maybe. that out. <laughs> oh, that, that maybe. Because, yeah, I mean, Coffee yeah, scored a, a lot, but years, yeah, yeah he might have had a couple down years. All right. Um, let's let's get into what we're doing, though, because inspired by no, Ron McLean's idea here, yeah. I came up with 10 plus a bonus one similarities between this year's Montreal Canadiens and the 1970s Montreal Canadiens dynasty. <laughs> and this is why the Canadiens this year are going to win the Stanley Cup. Are you ready, Mark? All right. All right, go. The Canadians in the 70s and the Canadians right now both have an Anglo starting goaltender with a francophone <laughs> backup. It's a fact. Ça sent la coupe. All right, you ready for number two? Two uh, yeah. of their top defensemen are Quebecers, just like Serge Savard and Guy Lapointe. That's pretty. And when right? you think about Mike Matheson, you think of the big three. That's what I think. It's and same with, <laughs> same with Mike Matheson, Arbor Jackye, and Jonathan Kovacevic. Shades, shades of the big three. Yeah. Oh my god! And same with our Savard, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They both have Savards. <laughs> That's number three. Savard on the roster. Savard on the roster. These are better than Ron's, though. If we're being perfectly honest. <laughs> Just wait. It gets better. Undersized sniper, Steve yeah. Shutt, Cole Caulfield. Oh, yeah. That's, right? That's like, you know what? Out of all of them, that's actually pretty decent. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. good. I know. Except that's, that's for a... Steve Shutt had this ability to just, like, his goals weren't pretty, but man, he scored a lot. And this clapper, these weird clappers, which Gurianov's bringing back, I can't, I, I love seeing more clappers, but uh, yeah, that's not bad. Speaking of, 25 year old winger mm-hmm. with speed to burn. Yeah. D. Lafleur, <laughs> Denny Garyanov. Well, <laughs> that's right. I'm calling him Denny. He's a Quebecer now. Listen, it, and you know what? The Canadians actually have two, Josh oh, yeah. Anderson as well. Oh yeah, yeah. The case. So I think Cups that, ours. <laughs> this team is clearly superior. To like the, the Habs, wish they had this many horses under the hood. Let's be perfectly damn right. The '70s Habs. Yeah, yeah. All right. Continuing, number six similarity between. The Montreal Canadiens of 2022-2023 and the 1970s dynasty. 33-year-old scoring winger who isn't quite what he used to be. Yvonne Cornwallier, Mike Hoffman. 
Okay, I couldn't, I couldn't even think of. <laughs> As someone who knows Yvan Cournoyer, that is one of the worst things you've ever said in your life. That is like punishable <laughs> by it exile. It actually hurts. It hurt when I like, wrote it down. <laughs> I was like, the you know, <laughs> punishable by exile on an ice floe. And you know what's the worst <laughs> part? I had completely forgotten. I, I I'm tired, but I had completely forgotten about my coffin until that point. Like you, know, when you, you had a good game tonight. <laughs> when you said 33 year old winger, I'm like, the hell is he talking? <laughs> Who's about? that? <laughs> all right, defensive winger who plays in all situations. Uh huh. Uh huh. Bob Gainey. Yoel <laughs> no, Armia. Yoel no, no, no. Armia. He <laughs> 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 marks out. <laughs> Trizak says that, that, headphones on. If you <laughs> Trizak says this is how this show gets canceled. Right. <laughs> By the Montreal Canadians, but an injunction. Like never speak of our our players again. All right, here injunction. we go. Yoel Armia. Number eight. Head coach from the Montreal area in his forties. Uh -huh. Who was an undersized player? Yeah, Scotty Bowman, Marty St. Louis. That's <laughs> it's it's a fact. Yeah, although Scotty Bowman won more Verdun under ten championships than Martin St. Louis did. So I bet that's the <laughs> that's the only difference. Yeah, yeah. Number nine. This is related to I'm Number talking nine. the whole seventies as a nine. dynasty, not just the last four years. So yeah. this one's a bit of a stretch, but bear with me. A Richard on the roster. Henri, Anthony. Mm -hmm. No, that's actually that's you know fact. That's, that's probably the second best one we've had, like in terms of accuracy. Yeah, it's absolutely. They're and all technically true. At one point, Anthony Richard was 11 years old, and Henri Richard won 11 Stanley Cups. <laughs> written in the stars. Numbers are everywhere. They're just it's written everywhere. in the stars. Yeah. All right, number 10. Veteran center. Brought in via trade that solidified the team up the middle. This is whole seventies. Frank yeah. Mahovlich, <laughs> Sean Monahan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we call, and it's true because you call Mahovlich. He was the 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 pitsy M, right? He was a little M, and that's exactly what they call Sean Monahan. No, Frank is the big M. Oh, he was the big Pete, M. Okay. Pete was the little M. Pete was. Oh, yeah, it's true. They brought him in later. Okay, they had well, both way, though. Both names have an M, in just it. like just Monaghan. like. The Montreal Canadiens. Mind blown. You know, <laughs> um, Martin Saint-Louis, this is one that's actually pretty cool. Um, you know, Guy Lafleur's childhood friend, he actually used to walk uh, a guy's dog who was friends with a barber who knew several people who were involved in an attempt to steal Steve Martin's identity. Steve Martin? <laughs> yeah, so Martin, Martin, I'm just saying... Yeah, it's there. We're gonna have All right, and the bonus one, my yeah. bonus one, number one overall pick on the roster, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, Uri Slavkovsky. That's eleven <laughs> similarities between the seventies Habs and the current Habs. One Just... more than the eighties Oilers and the current Oilers. Montreal Canadiens, twenty twenty three Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. It's Champions. done. We don't even need to play route. the playoffs. Same route they take every year. Exactly. <laughs> bring back the, the parade along the usual yeah. route. Yeah. <laughs> bring back the Jadrapokoids. And that's 11, just like Anthony Richard used to be 11 years old. Like, I don't know if you, you, you keep seeing these numbers as I do, 
but um, I'm freaking out. It's like that movie, the number 23, <laughs> which I regret ever watching, but it exists. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Let's be perfectly it, honest. It was very terrible. Oh, you want to know how terrible it is? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was like, uh, what was the name? It was like the fake name. Now I have to Google it. While you Google that, I saw a trailer today for Super Mario Bros. And it, for those that don't know, there was a, a 90, early 90s was like sketchy for, for for ideas. They really weren't coming up with much. And they actually had a live action Super Mario Brothers. Is John Leguizamo that's in it. <laughs> yes, I remember that movie. And they I had, watched like, it when I was a kid. The, the 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 bad guys freak me out. I still see them every time I close my eyes. Kind of like Dick Vill- uh, um, Dick Tracy villains, basically. You They're know, like, like shrunken the- head Koopas. Yeah, like for anyways. So if anyone has a chance, go back and watch it because it's so bad that it might be the best movie ever made. <laughs> Trinka eighty three came in, missed the stream, but just got home. Don't know what's happening, but as always, vibes are good. Trinka, yeah. we just came through with eleven similarities between the current Habs and the 70s Habs dynasty. So Cup is yeah. ours. Don't yeah. need the playoffs. And it's already 11, done. Just like Brendan Gallagher wears <laughs> number 11. <laughs> I mean, come on here. It's it's all in the 11. But okay, so I, I found it out. So in this movie, the number 23 that stars Jim Carrey it came out, uh, I don't know, when I was in like young, early college. It's one of his serious ones, eh? Yeah, it was supposed to be serious. Anyway, the whole conceit of the movie revolves around this book that he takes out from the library or whatever, and it's written by a guy named Topsy Kretz. Topsy. What does Topsy Kretz mean? Topsy was top the name secrets. of the elephant that... Um, it's Top Secrets. Oh, Topsy. Okay. Well, it's Who actually also the name of the elephant that got electrocuted that? by... Uh, what's his name? Um, the great inventor there. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the guy, Tesla? Yes. No. The, yeah. Is it? No. No. I got it. Now I have to figure it out. It's a Bob's Burger thing. Tesla or Edison? One of the two. Yeah, Edison. Exactly. Yeah. Electric. Yeah, I feel like Edison is the more likely person to just randomly kill killed, just like randomly killed uh, an elephant. Yeah, but apparently it wasn't like a very nice elephant. As yeah, that's what they say after. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Trying to justify it. Like, it's like oh, every yeah. time there's a dirty hit, we're like, well, that guy's not innocent. Yeah, well, no, it's like saying the the animal went went wild. The elephant went elephant, yo. Like that's that's the thing. You're you're just lucky it didn't destroy you before this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm we're glad all that lucky we got to, to topsy the electrocuted elephant by Thomas Edison. <laughs> Welcome to Game Over Montreal, everybody. <laughs> Where we stay on topic every time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. So- yeah, so that that was my big idea for tonight's stream. Um, <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> they also, and I mean, other than the maroons. You could argue that they both played in the same province, and other than Nelzik, <laughs> there's no other teams that have ever done that. Well, and the so, Wanderers, and the Wanderers, yeah. Fuck, this isn't going. So, other right. than those three teams, other than those three teams, <laughs> <laughs> the Habs are, yeah, exactly. It's it's written in the stars. Sasana Cook. We mm. didn't make this up. You yeah. can look it up. Every every single thing that I said is a fact. Yeah. You know, are they high quality facts? <laughs> no. <laughs> are they calling right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm getting a call from Elliot Friedman again to yell at me. I'm sure. No, I was going to say to hire you. Oh, oh, to hire me. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you can always tell when they 
they have to force in like a hab segment because they have to cut off whatever leaf segment they're about to do. And like sometimes like, why do we have to talk about this? Yeah, and sometimes they mail it in real early. Like they'll take the first five minutes and they'll be like, see, the Habs are doing well. And it's 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 three zero New Jersey, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh although I'll be honest, recently not a ton to talk about, but you look at guys like uh Jacques Alain is doing a great job kind of convincing me that he might need to stick around. Uh, Nick Suzuki, I know I think Trizak or Trinka, I forget who said he had a bad game. I liked him. I thought he was really good tonight. Um, who Nick Suzuki and I'm trying to think oh, of Suzuki. that happened tonight Mike Matheson played 20 something minutes yeah Suzuki actually led the team in uh in shot attempt differential and which goal is different goals, almost unheard goals. of for him yeah so he he played really strong I'm, just, I'm gonna check here quickly yeah he had like 70 percent expected goals and um they 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 controlled over 50 percent if I remember correctly which is which is pretty impressive because I think the Devils controlled about 60% of the shots. But for those that missed at the beginning of the show, I see the New Jersey Devils as like your template that you kind of want to, you know, follow for the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. And obviously there's high high picks there. You have Heischer and um, um, Hughes. But more the development of the depth in there. And, you know, be patient, be patient, be patient. But they didn't wait like the Hurricanes, like five years to be ready to add. They're adding pretty early in the process, which I love. You're, you're taking advantage of these guys in their prime, right? So that's yeah. what you want to do with the Habs. Because, man, if you're talking about a three, four-year rebuild, those cores, those ELCs are going to start to expire. And, you're, you know, their guys are actually going to fall out of their statistical prime. So I, I just like the way they did it just solidly at every level. Slow development, not a ton of pressure. Um, like the opposite of what happened with Uri Sofkowski. Let's be perfectly honest. Well, yeah. And they also added uh, Timo Meyer for like nothing. Like yeah. They didn't give up any of their top prospects. Yeah. I don't know how uh, Mike Greer didn't get fired for making that move. It, right. It's well, wild. But I will say, uh, so Nick Suzuki, to put context to his play tonight, he spent almost all of his ice time up against the top defensive pair for New Jersey, the, like their shutdown pair, Ryan Graves and John Marino. Mm-hmm. And he plays against the Hughes and Meyer Boquist line. And he controlled... Uh, he had a 73.3% shot share against Jack Hughes, 96% expected goal share. Yeah. So Nick Suzuki had a baller game tonight there. I understand what people are saying in terms of there were a few plays he made where it it did seem a little bit, not necessarily going through the motions, but that he couldn't get the puck settled down for him. And like, he couldn't get like the soft touch that he wanted and it kind of felt forced. But I think that just comes down to, he's a little tired. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost to the point where it's Carey Price-itis, right? Like, remember when Price would finish with 42 saves and we didn't notice him? Like, it's kind of the same idea. Nick yep. Suzuki makes so many smart decisions on the ice that if it doesn't go 100%, we're like, what the heck is going on here, you know? So, like, I, I, when you look at it, just the endurance that it took him to not get injured this season, I don't know how how he managed that. But also being the captain when you're losing, like, all your soldiers in a really tough year where let's admit it, there was some drama with that book, Pierre Gervais, that kind of let out the, the Habs secrets. Yep. I think Nick Suzuki, all things concerned, like considered for a bottom five team, has done a pretty good job as being the youngest captain in franchise history. Yeah, he really has. Like, he had that run where he was having trouble producing offense through, like, December, January. But And it looked bad, too. That's the, that's the Oh, no, no, actually. No, he was getting shots, wasn't he? He was getting, but he couldn't find his spot. I call it the captain's cabin. Yeah. He wasn't getting to his spot. 
I mean, the fact is, he's still, I believe, on pace for a career year season in terms of point yeah. production. Yeah. And that's without Caulfield for half the year. And like his line mates, let's be honest, I love Rafael Harvey Pinard. But <laughs> like if you're setting up your board for ideal line lines, I'm not yeah. sure Rafael Harvey Pinard makes it uh, beside Nick Suzuki. You know well, he I mean? might if Ca- if Caulfield's there, right? And he's what just, about that? Like the g- I want to see that. Yeah, because then he's not like the primary shooter, right? He's the guy who can jump on rebounds and bang things and, home. That's perfect. And you, almost but if he's have the primary a, shooter, yeah, I think you need a puck retrieval more. guy, right? Because like I always yeah. try to go back to the Gallagher Tatar Dano type of combination, but in this case, the Tatar would almost be Suz- well, because Suzuki's key in the neutral zone. But you need you need that guy getting dirty retrieving pucks. And um, like, there's not one game that goes by where I'm like, wow, Rafael Arvipinal must get home and be exhausted. The other day, they said that he intercepted eight pucks. They said this on RDS via wow. Sport Logic, which I was like, geez, that sounds like a lot. But overall, just so fun to see. And, and I think it's not just that he deserves a shot next year. I think you pencil him in as it stands as a top 12 forward. You have to. Statistically, yes. he's been that good. I mean, Harvey Pinard, I know he's only, I think he has one goal in his last 12 games, but he's getting assists still. Doesn't matter still. to me. Doesn't matter. Like, no, like, it doesn't hey, matter to me either, yeah. frankly. I mean, he's getting his chances, right? And the goal scoring that he was doing when he first got called up was never going to be sustainable because he was scoring, no. I think he had like seven goals in nine games or something like that. Yeah. Or in, in 10 games. That was games. just pure so, like adrenaline working. Yeah, off he's still adrenaline. shooting almost 22% and on pace for like, like a 35-ish goal season, I think. And he's providing, but the key is that he's providing the type of energy that you need to keep these games somewhat watchable, right? 100%. Like that, that's, that's the other part of it. I know everyone's like, tank this, tank that, but they still have a product to put on the ice. And when the chips are down, the person that tends to like start pulling the hardest is someone you want on your team. You know? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like one of the reasons why I think you see people kind of frustrated with Suzuki right now is the things that are working for the Canadians at the moment happened to be a lot of that like high pace, frantic forechecking plays. Like everybody's focused on Josh Anderson for good reason. He's playing fantastic. I think Mike Hoffman has been a lot more dogged on the puck, especially in the fork check lately. Oh yeah. Mike Hoffman. I remember he's working hard. (laughs) I know. Uh, Gurionov, you know, speed to burn. He's like noticeable out there every night. Right. Harvey Pinard. He's hundred percent go all the time. Trying to get that puck. Uh, Ulan is trying to do the same thing, but Suzuki's, yeah, Belzil, of course, but like Suzuki likes to slow the game down and be cerebral. He controls and I think the pace. When, yeah. yeah, and when the team is struggling a little bit to to win games, I think people naturally tend to get frustrated with those types of players. Yeah, and it's because it, it looks like they're overcomplicating things as well, overthinking yes. it. And yeah, yeah. But also, he's playing like top competition, right? So like well, that's the other gotta, part of it. I'd like to see him in a situation where he's not the only guy that played center as a junior, you know, like that, like that would be, that would be pretty entertaining uh, for Nick Suzuki. But you know what, going into next year, I think they should actually separate Caulfield and Suzuki. That's a topic for a whole other discussion, but I have a theory. They'll be, their styles just do not mesh, even though they have like Sedin twin, like, you know, um, a link between them. There's something about those two. When, when they play, they score goals, but man, they get outchanced and outshot a lot. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. I like your idea of Rafael Arvipinar on that line, but even if he's not in the first line, I think you have to give him a spot on the fourth or the third. You know, like, like what, what's the worst that could happen here? You have a guy that makes almost no money 
that's giving a huge effort. Like that's that's what that's the kind of thing you want to build up your depth from Laval. So you got to yeah. give like he doesn't just deserve it there. You have to because if yeah, that is such a me- bad message to the rest of the players, right? I think Caulfield and Suzuki they need someone on that line that gives them a certain element, right? When they were when they had Josh Anderson or Mike Hoffman on that line, oftentimes they were getting blown apart in chances. But with Doc, they were easily created, the best line creates on the team. time and space. Right. And when you move Doc down to the second line, obviously they get a little weaker. I'd like to see if Harvey Pennard can bring that same level of it wouldn't be the same as Doc because he's a different type of player. Yeah. But create but that space in a different way. Draw but, in defenders, you know? Yeah, the other thing to look at next year is maybe Doc ends up being the hard minutes guy. You know, yeah. his defensive game is pretty strong. His play driving is pretty strong with some better wingers. Maybe that ends up giving Suzuki, at least taking some, right? Where maybe Suzuki's not always the matchup guy at every moment. That yeah. gives more freedom to Caulfield. Caulfield, I think, needs to work on his defense a little bit too. But you know what I think he, the effort is there. Sometimes the reads are a little bit too focused on offense one of the things and i don't know if you'll agree with this obviously this the talent level is different but he really reminds me of like prime saku right now where yep it doesn't matter how good he can be and smart defensively it's just you know he's, he's holding his team treading water is what's happening and like if you go back to i bet you we don't have those numbers but saku's numbers when he was beside oleg petrov and and yeah, brian savage uh probably weren't great right now truzak mentions they need a different winger with them. And I, I get that, but here's why I, I kind of disagree. Because the only two guys that have worked on that wing are centers. It's been Sean Monahan and Kirby Doc. And what they do is they're fantastic in transition. So they create time and space. They draw in defenders. No other winger, because that really shouldn't be a winger's job in the line to, to, to drive the transition. No other winger has managed to do it. So like, I, no, I, I don't got, think transition is their issue. I think it's I, more about like managing defensive zone coverage. Like Suzuki, I feel, I feel he's like gotta he be needs deep to do too alone, much. Yeah. yeah, so he needs to have, like, with Josh Anderson, it doesn't work because while Anderson can play defensively on the PK where it's all about like speed yeah. and reaction up Bursts. at the top, yeah. 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 on a cycle, he gets lost in coverage. And Caulfield will make a good first read, but if he doesn't get the puck, which he does often, Oftentimes he like misses his man and then it's like draws in Suzuki to cover and then Suzuki's guy is open and mm. it just like this compounding chaos that but, happens, right? Absolutely. So, but what do you what do you make about Suzuki not having any positive underlying numbers for a quite a long while now unless he's beside another center? Like that that's, I don't, that's... it doesn't worry me on this no? team. Okay. No. I, I think we've seen enough from Suzuki over time to know yeah. what he is. And I think having worked with like private data before and understanding like there's a difference between somebody who has great underlying numbers versus somebody who like does all the things necessary to create those numbers. Yeah. But is failed by other parts of the lineup. Right. Like a lot of the time that Caulfield and Suzuki were together, Mike Matheson wasn't here. They were playing almost exclusively huge game changer. changer, Right. So if your top unit defense is now like, Gooley Matheson instead of Savard Gooley, you're not going to get piled on as often, right? No, absolutely. You're not spending so, all your energy as well, right? Like that's yeah. the other part of it. Um, it's very rare players like Bergeron who you could throw in any situation with any players and he's still going to dominate yeah. at 37 years old. With a punctured lung. Yeah. Yeah. Like, while wearing, while wearing oh, the Oh, Suzuki's not that at 23. Yeah. Okay. No. 
exactly i I just you are i just don't know if i'm married to the idea of having necessarily having them both on the same like i know everyone thinks no you don't have to be married and 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 taves but i just don't know if it's that type of like i just don't think they're they're their overall style really matches that well at five on five. If they know, had been, about- I think if they had been more successful on the power play together, that would push this yeah. conversation into a different direction. Right. Absolutely. Where like that, but, but I don't fault them for that. Cause it's, no, me that's either. the strategy is go to Caulfield. It's just like, it was go to Weber and go to sorry. We're seeing a bit of a pattern here for the Habs for the last 10 years. Yeah, it's it's brutal on that side. Uh, and you know what? Do you want to circle back to a question we had quick, in the comments here? Andrew, Go for it. the power play is better now without Cole Caulfield. Don't you think in terms of the movement that you're seeing on the ice? Or am I just crazy? Because And it's not Caulfield's fault. It was almost like when Weber was injured, the power play got better. Is it better? Well, I don't know statistically, but it looks better. A lot of pre-shot movement. You're getting goalies moving. I was yeah. watching clone troopers in the background today during the game. I'll be perfectly honest. So I didn't have my volume up, but it looked a bit better. No. Let's see. What are they at here? They're at 15.7%. When did Caulfield go down? Because I can some I can go by game and like uh, some okay, results. Okay, here's here. another good stat. The Habs score in 15.4% of their power plays and the 70s Habs didn't score on 15.4 percent <laughs> of their power plays the links are everywhere everywhere this is true all right so Caulfield went down his last game was January 19th so I'll go to January 20th and I'll just get the stats here right away for already us. The power play was at 15.4 so it's jumped 0.3 percent since Woo! then it is slightly better I'm going to go with random variance over anything. Uh, the puck movement might be a little bit better, but I think that has more to do with uh, Suzuki just being able to move wherever on the ice. So like before he wouldn't go into Caulfield's spot, right? So now he can yeah. just go wherever, but they I, they still just, I don't know. They don't, they, they don't have, have something it. about it though. Let's be honest. And, and as much as we always want to blame them, Alex Burroughs, it's, it, there is a personnel issue here too. Like the strategy is bad, but there's also a personnel issue. And the fact is, Burroughs isn't the only person working on the power play. We know that. No. Yeah, and Marty is not a, there and is bad. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, no. and Marty's not a great PP coach. Like, no, as well, much I, as he is done. Like, <laughs> you said PP coach. I but did. The thing is, did you look when he was a consultant in Columbus? Yep. They were terrible. Were, that was, I believe, the league's worst power play. It's so much. It's kind of like when Thierry Henry, who was my favorite player growing up, he went to coach the impact. It's kind of like, hey, why can't you guys just not be dominant like I am? You know, sometimes <laughs> the best players at Gretzky do not make the best coaches. This is true. Uh, Tris, uh, was it Noel says, does Andrew have green eyes? I think they're technically hazel, like gray green kind of thing. A little bit of yellow in there. Um, I do want to circle back to a question here from, I believe it was Winder. He was asking us to explain the oh, conditions the on the Sean Monaghan first round pick. I don't know if the God of this universe could explain those conditions. If there is one, I don't believe in one, but uh, I can look them up. But even I then, don't remember it's like, uh, it could be a 2024 pick or a 2025 big pick, but the conditions are ridiculous. Hey, I w- okay. wanted to so look here's, it up. here's from cap friendly. Okay. So this it's a paragraph, a long yeah. one. So it says if Calgary's 2024 first round pick is between 20 and 32, Montreal can take that pick instead. It doesn't say instead of what result to be determined scenario in the event that Calgary receives uh, Florida's 2025 first round pick 2025. 
if both Calgary and Florida's picks are not top 10, Montreal received the better of the Calgary and Florida 2025 first round picks. Okay, so it, it's a 2025. Like <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's, it's a 2025 first round pick that they get. But if the Flames pick between 20 and 32 next year, the yeah. Canadians can choose to take that pick instead. <clears throat> or they can wait for the following year where Calgary owns Florida's first round pick as well and choose the better of those two picks. How many teams own Florida's first round pick there in the next few years? I don't know, but there's more conditions on top of that. Hold oh on. Oh my God. Okay. Because Florida's pick is top 10 protected and Calgary's pick is uh-huh. also top 10 protected. No, no. If Florida's pick is top 10 protected, the Canadians automatically get uh, Calgary's. No, receives Florida's pick. <laughs> no, what? Oh my God. This is insane. Super okay. normal stuff. So if Calgary's pick is top 10 and Florida's pick is not top 10, mm-hmm. Montreal automatically receives Florida's pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the event that Calgary does not receive Florida's first round pick, because there's conditions on that pick, mm-hmm. the sub-scenario, Calgary's pick is not top 10. Like Montreal re- will receive the Calgary pick. And two, mm-hmm. if Florida's pick is not top 10 and is a better pick than Calgary's and was transferred to another team due to prior conditions, Montreal re- will also receive Calgary's 2025 fourth round pick. Another sub scenario. If Calgary's pick is top 10, if Calgary's pick is, there's like a full size scroll here. I know it's ridiculous. If Calgary's pick is first overall, Montreal will receive Calgary's 2025 third round pick or third in addition. And the better of Calgary and Florida's 2026 first round picks result. Further, if Calgary's pick is second to tenth, Montreal receives How is this Calgary's still the same trade. What's going on? 2025 first round pick. Ah. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I felt like Homer the whole time. Like, you know, when like the yogurt, you get free yogurt. Like, that's good. Like the yogurt what is cursed. Like, hell? that's bad. <laughs> Can I go now? Anyways. How, so- how many lawyers were involved in that deal? Well, yeah, probably at least one. I'm guessing just to make it so contrived. I, I, I like the part where it'll all be resolved, and I don't have to explain it. I'm glad you took that on because I didn't. Actually, you know what? I went to. <laughs> this is how conditioned I am with Sean Monahan. I went to do trade history, but instead of history, I wrote injury. So I wrote, I wrote trade injury, and a bunch of yeah, bunch of things popped up. Oh my god, that that's just too funny. I think. I would not be surprised if the Canadians just take Florida's pick next year. Yeah. No, just come. Well, and, and they want to stagger it. So we'll see. But oh, hey, by the way, Trizak brings up something, a really good point. Northeastern just got uh, uh, Don Levi is, is available, but also that means James Trubel. I believe they lost against um, one of them fancy universities. I forget. Uh, it's not Princeton because Princeton's playing Harvard. Anyways, Northeastern's out. That means Jaden Struble. We'll see what happens there if he signs a contract with the Montreal Canadiens or not. He's a guy who, like, I've caught him maybe 10 times playing this year, and there's a lot to like there. I just don't see if his skill set will translate to the NHL. Like, he's got a man's body, that's for sure. He's strong. I just don't know if his decision-making is on par to, to, to be a good defenseman in the NHL. But we'll see if they sign him, because that's another guy that we used to rate pretty darn highly. And uh, 
all the attention has gone to Jordan Harris and Lane Hudson, but uh, Jaden Struble might be playing two games for the Canadians this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, right? I mean, this team is really lacking in rookie defensemen, Mark. Yeah, it's that's an area the one, where the one that yeah, really Providence, as, as Noah says, it's, it's Providence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this team needs to get younger on defense. Hey, you want to talk about similarities with the 93 Cup team? They had young defensemen. This team has young defensemen. Chris Chilios. Chris Chilios. At one point, had cereal, and Jonathan Kovacevich eats cereal sometimes. That's true. Undeniable fact. Although, no, I won't tell that story. That's that's an off-camera story. Never mind. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, like, <laughs> sounds good, man. As soon as someone says, I'm not telling that story, you have to Everyone gets mad, I know. No, but you have to tell the story. No, no, I, I can't. I can't. Maybe All one right. day. I'll have to check with a few people if I can tell. We are, we are gentlemen here, yeah. We are. We have to. We have to obey the the rules of the the gentleman's club. Uh, <laughs> as Noel says, it's like Logan's run on the blue line. Basically, as soon as they turn twenty four, they poof. They just, they just <laughs> vanish. Whatever the number was in, in in Logan's run, yeah, they just. I hey will, man, before we we move on, I will say this: out of all the defensemen this year, in terms of like endurance, obviously because he's older, but Jonathan Kovacevic keeps blowing my mind. Like he's oh, he's awesome. So good. He He's reminds so good. me a lot of Petrie, but like the dollar store version, like the wish.com version of, of Jeff Petrie, just in the way he plays. And also his number is 26 and Petrie's number was 26 <laughs> links, links everywhere. Oh my God. All right. Uh, I don't think we have uh, too much more to cover for, for this game. I think we've, we've given it the good <laughs> col- college try. We've given you the top 10 similarities between the Habs today and the 1970s dynasty. How can you really beat that? I mean, they, they, they used to sell hot dogs at the forum and they also they sell hot, sell dogs, hot today. dogs at the bell center. Yeah. I don't know if you know this Mark, but the forum downtown Montreal, the bell that center yeah. downtown Montreal. Aha. It's, it's the signs. You can see them everywhere. You just have to open your eyes and look. These wake are up, sheeple. <laughs> These are facts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning into the show tonight i hope you enjoyed it Shout out to mark and i are gonna go to sleep because we're old and uh <laughs> we love you all for tuning in it's so much fun yeah. to do this show with you all on uh, a season that doesn't have much to really talk about just like last season we're but having fun hanging listen, out listen yeah. when it gets to the point where like this team's actually cooking a little this show is gonna be even more fun it's yeah, gonna be gonna awesome let them cook and then we're gonna exactly all right We'll see you on Monday. Uh, I forget who the Canadians are playing. Yeah, I'll there's a Monday right game. What's up with that? That was supposed to be my day off. It's, uh, yeah, the Avalanche. Oh, that's fun. Hey. So, Arturi, another tough matchup I in the team. so much. Oh, don't we all. <laughs> you know, seeing Arturi Lekkanen is like hearing you, you broke up mutually with an ex-girlfriend, and she went on to, like, marry a king, and she lives on, <laughs> she lives on an island right now, and, like, she trained dolphins to dance for her. That's that's the way I look at Arturi Lekkanen. Yeah, absolutely. My he's runaway. The he's the one I miss that dances with dolphins. And we're only happy for him. It was it was a good breakup. You know, those exist for sure, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you on Monday. Game over. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.